0: Hey, what's up everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the
1: For the Culture
0: Podcast.
1: This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 15 recap, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple AppleRadio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. 27 20 Colts over the Houston Texans now improving to 10 and 4 and I don't know if I've ever been as uneasy after a win putting my team at 10 and 4 but there was a lot of positives there were a lot of negatives in this game allowing the Texans to stay in this game we took a 14 nothing lead right out the gate we allow them to get back into the game it's tied 2020 they have ball right there before the QT fumble inside the two-yard line. They had ball inside the two-yard line, and for the second time in three weeks, we needed a fumble inside the five-yard line to beat the Houston Texans. Thank God that the field is 100 yards long and not 95. Otherwise, we'd be sitting at 9-5, and or eight and six right now after these last two nail biters with the Houston Texans. But a win is a win. We have a lot to get on Reich about. We have a lot to get on Eberflus about. We will. The defense was not good. We missed a ton of tackles. We played soft coverage. We're going to get into it. Offensively, I really don't hold any of the players accountable. I really thought it was the play calling. You have that first and 10 throw by Jacoby, which made absolutely no sense to me. We kind of called this game. Like we were winning by 35, 42 points and it was a 14, nothing lead. We had ball. We let it slip away and it's a nail biter there under a minute to go, just like two weeks ago in Houston. So we escape with the win but it just felt like the Colts treated a 14-point lead like a 41-point lead. There was a lack of want to, and it just felt like two 4-9 teams playing, not a 9-4 and four team against a 4-9 and nine team. It felt like we didn't have anything to play for. When you look at the AFC standings, we have everything to play for, and it was just a weird game. It had a weird vibe. It had a weird flow, and thank God we came out on the winning end. 27 20 and a lot to get to after this week fifteen win for the Colts.
0: Frustration, Luke, man. This game was very frustrating for me as a fan. Uh that's what comes to mind when I when I think about this game. I'm really happy we won. We've had two really tough games where I thought we were outcoached against within a, I I don't think he's I don't think Cornell's a very good coach, but we've been outcoached. I don't know what Reich was doing today. We'll get into that more in a minute, but I just thought he was bad again. Just there was no rhythm on offense. It seemed like he was. It was like a preseason game the way he was calling it. Like it just made no sense. There was no. And uh, was
1: there a weird energy, Jason? I don't know if it's because there's no fans and they weren't pumping in noise on the television broadcast, but it just felt like. The energy was the energy of a game that didn't mean anything to either team. Like, this game really meant nothing to the Texans, but this game meant a lot to the Colts when you look at the race for a playoff berth. And it just felt like we go up 14-0, we had great energy, we go up 14-0, and then it's almost like we were acting like 14 nothing was 41 nothing and we took our foot off the gas both sides of the ball and then of course we kind of regained that later in the game when we needed to or otherwise we would have lost this game but it just felt like there was a lack of energy and a lack of want to from the Colts as if both teams were four and nine and the Colts weren't sitting at nine and four making a push for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was an energy thing. It just seemed Reich has this thing where we've talked about it, where he comes out either he comes out really fast and 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 everything's going well, the offense is going well, and then he just goes into like I don't know into a stupor for two quarters, or he just takes a nap for two quarters. It was another one of those games where we jump out and we could put, we could have easily put that team away early if we would have just stuck to the run. They couldn't stop Taylor. They couldn't stop Hines early in the game. And instead of just sticking with that, when we got the 14-0 lead and got the ball back, we threw it three times. I don't understand. Like, I, I literally said this probably five times watching the game. I don't understand what he's trying to accomplish. If I'm a play caller, my goal is to attack the weakness of this the team I'm playing against. The weakness today was very clearly stopping the run and more specifically – Between the tackles. So, I don't, like, we were running the ball between the tackles, seven, eight yards a clip early in this game, and he just stopped doing it. He just literally just stopped doing it. And I have no idea why. And from that time that it was 14 to nothing, we scored three points the next two quarters. And that's why this was a game. And my frustration with Reich is he's so – consistently inconsistent from game to game you don't know what you're going to get this this was very easily a game we could have blown them out but went the other way because I I just I don't know man I, I don't know what he's trying to do I don't know if he's trying to to limit the carries that that Taylor gets or if he's trying to you know really get Phillip in a rhythm but but I'm just trying to win the game as simply as possible and for me that would have been running the ball more. It's like he doesn't want to run Taylor more than 20 times a game. There's a rule against it. He only got 18 carries today. I felt like he could, this could have been 25 or – I think like 16 or, today. 16? Yep, 16. and 13. Okay. the last time. And he certainly should have gotten at least 20-plus in this game, 20-plus. They couldn't stop our run, and, you know, it just – it made no sense. It's frustrating, but at the end of the day – as we always say on the show, it doesn't matter how ugly it is. I would have taken this game against Jacksonville Week One, honestly. Like obviously, you just want to win. We won. We won two games. They were way too close for comfort, but we won them both. Thank God we're done playing Deshaun Watson. Thank God we found a way to win both of these games because we could have very easily lost both of them, which is not very encouraging considering they're four and nine or now four and ten. They really only have two – I mean, Johnson's okay, but and Cooks is okay, but their offensive line's bad. Their defense is horrible. I mean, it just – I don't know. Luke, I, I'm just frustrated, man. Yeah. We've got to – well, Jason, to one, one of my biggest
1: consistent. frustrations is – actually, let me just touch real quick on – The lack of energy. It might have just been the TV broadcast. I don't know if you agree or you maybe weren't looking for it. And I just kind of noticed it and I had that glass shattering moment and then I couldn't unnotice it. It just felt like there was it felt like a preseason game or it felt like a game that didn't matter for either team. That's just the way it felt. But it didn't feel like that early and it didn't feel like that late. It just felt like that in the second and third quarter, like getting away from Taylor didn't make any sense. We've played this team twice now in three weeks. Taylor has 29 carries for 174 yards, averaging six yards per carry. He had 13 carries for 91 yards the last time we played him, which was just two weeks ago. They didn't get any better against the run since then. And then he has 16 for 86 today and the touchdown, and we got him going early, and then we just abandoned it. And then late in the game, when we have the ball, after the great play to T.Y., we have the ball on the five-yard line, and we run a sweep out wide, and then we let them get us for a loss of two or three when they couldn't stop us between the tackles. It just didn't make any sense. Like, none of it makes any sense. You have this guy in Taylor who has clearly developed so well throughout the course of this season. He's playing so well. He has 150 yards last week. And then the other two games against the Texans, they can't stop them. The only way they could stop them is if you don't give them the football and you don't give them the ball up the middle. That's literally the only way the Texans were able to stop them, and we essentially did it for them.
0: Well, what I did notice, Luke, I don't know if it was a lack of energy, but what I did notice, and I felt this from a play-calling perspective and just an overall game perspective, was once we went ahead 14 to nothing, it was like there was no sense of urgency anymore. Like, there was a sense of urgency. We came out, we got on top, yep. then we got the lead I think that that's exactly like, what it was. And, and it was just like, okay, we scored 14. They're going to they're quit. They're not going to try. And that's, I mean, Deshaun Watson's not going to just quit. And I just felt like our effort was bad. We didn't tackle. We had miscommunications. We got stupid penalties. I mean, it was just a combination of all the things that you cannot do against a bad team. And it started, I thought, with a lack of urgency, and that came from directly from Reich. He literally – like, the second third quarter was like a preseason game. The way he was calling I mean, him, he was, he was running ridiculous – I mean, what was that Jacoby play? I mean, it just –
1: Oh, God. I,
0: I just – the game was just very frustrating. I'm happy we won. I don't want people to get on here and say you guys are too negative or whatever, but I'm just being honest. Yeah. Like, and we're – we're looking
1: at this team as a team that can make the playoffs, make a run, and win a Super Bowl. You're not going to win That's, a Super yeah. Bowl playing and coaching. Well, not playing, but coaching like this. You're right. It was a lack of urgency, and I think the lack of urgency mixed with the fact that there's minimal fans and not a lot of noise made it seem to me, watching, like there was a lack of energy. But I think you're right. It was a lack of urgency, and it starts with Reich because it wasn't 14 nothing. It was 14 nothing. We get a stop. We get the ball back and then the lack of urgency begins. So it didn't start on the defensive end, although it became contagious for the defense because then we punt, they get the ball back, they go down. Then there was that blown play when we had that busted coverage. So it was a combination of the way Reich was calling the offense into the busted coverage, wide open touchdown for the Texans. And it just kind of turned into an avalanche of mediocre football for two quarters. But, Like you were saying, Jason, we won this game. That's great. We're 10-4. and That's great. But we also hold this team to an extremely high standard. When you look at the talent on the field, this is not the 2012-13-14 Colts that had a quarterback kind of like this Texans team up until this year. This is kind of like the 2015 version of the Colts for the Texans where you had this young quarterback who was carrying the team to the playoffs for a couple years, and then the lack of talent and poor coaching eventually caught up to them. But my overall point about the 12, 13, 14 Colts, you didn't have an all pro three tech and an all pro guard. And probably, I swear to God, we probably have three or four pro bowl caliber offensive linemen. Costanza's pro bowl caliber, even though he was here in 2012, 13, 14, he wasn't this good yet. We have an all pro guard. We have a pro bowl center and we have a pro bowl right tackle four out of our five offensive linemen are pro bowl caliber doesn't mean they'll make the pro bowl but they're pro bowl caliber and then you look at leonard and you look at okariki and you look at kenny moore and you look at julian blackman there's talent all over the field which is great and that's one of the big reasons why we're 10 and 4 but when you look at the way this team was coached especially today in the last two times against the texans and multiple times throughout the course of the season we're not being coached and we're not exercising the talent to the best of their ability and we're not coaching to teams weaknesses and that's why we barely scrape by a 4 and 9 Houston Texans team now 4 and 10 Houston Texans team for the second time in 3 weeks
0: yeah another disheartening thing luke that i just thought of right now was we've played i mean jacksonville and houston twice we very easily very easily could be 0 and 3 against those against those two teams. That's that's a very disheartening feeling, considering that I think we have a very good team with a lot of talent, but we have got to play better in the division games that aren't against the Titans. We seem to get up for the Titans, but we we cannot sweep for whatever reason. This is the first time we swept Houston in a while, but you generally we split with them, we split with Jacksonville. Reich has got to get better at coaching against guys in this division because he's been out coached a ton in this, in this division by the coaches and they're not that great. I mean, when you get out coached by Doug Marone. You've really, you've really outdone yourself and he did that in week one. So, I mean, to, to the fact that we're talking about the, still the only win the Jags have had and two, you know, four uh, and two games against a four win team where we could easily drop both of those games. I mean, that's, that is a disheartening thing, man. That's very disheartening because, we have such a better roster and better players than both of those teams. And I mean, we're lucky we're two and one in those three games, extremely lucky because we could very easily be 0 and three and have a totally different record. Yeah, that's a
1: good point. It's a scary point, but it's a good point. We are very close, very close to being, either 1-2 and 2 or 0-3 against the Jaguars and Texans this year. And then that Jags game, you have the entire summer to prepare for your week one opponent. And I don't care that we didn't have a preseason and this and that. The Jaguars haven't won a game since. They didn't have a preseason either. So that was inexcusable. And people could say, oh, but that was week one. It was so long ago. We're 10-3 and 3 since. And yeah, well, that's true. But we went out and the Titans went out. We're 12-4, and and we don't win in our division. Why? Because we lost to the Jaguars week one. And, of course, you could pick any loss throughout the course of the year, but it's a one-win team, man. It's a one-win team. And guess who didn't lose to the Jaguars? The Titans. So that's inexcusable. When you have a team like the Jets or the Bengals or the Jaguars in your division, you must sweep them. Those are two free wins. And if you can't, you really don't deserve to win the division unless you go out and you win 14 out of your other 15 games you really just don't deserve to even win your division but we're still in it because of the absurd amount of talent accumulated on both sides in all three phases of the game for this Colts team so we didn't even really get into the offense or defense yet I guess we'll start off with whatever you want to start off with you want to start off with the offense we'll start off with the offense because that's kind of where this game started we got ball first we went right down the field we scored a touchdown we go up 14 nothing the defense is playing well the offense is playing well there's urgency which we lost in the second quarter but there was urgency to start the game philip rivers looked great i had no problem with the way rivers played and when rivers plays this way and you're able to run the ball this way It doesn't make any sense how you could only win a game by seven points against a defense this bad. Rivers finishes his day 22 of 28, so extremely – and he got the ball off so quick, but extremely efficient today for Rivers. There was one play I remember where J.J. Watt came completely unblocked, and he got the ball off quick. I think it was third down to Trey Burton. He made a couple really big throws to Pascal, including a great touchdown pass to Pascal. Two touchdown passes, both to Zach Pascal, but one incredible one right over the middle. And then the game-winner late in the game. And then a huge 41-yard play down the middle. Second and 20 to T.Y., which set us up for the go-ahead game-winning touchdown. Jonathan Taylor on the ground, 16 carries, 83 yards. And a touchdown averaging 5.2 yards per carry. Why didn't he touch the ball more? It doesn't make any sense. Naheem Hines really good on the ground too. 5 carries, 43 yards, 8.6 yards per carry. But we only have 21 carries between the two running backs. You have 21 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And you only run the ball between those two backs. 21 times it didn't make any sense and it just it was a weird game and the game went by very very quickly but this is a game the Colts there's no excuse not to score 30 35 40 points in this game and then Zach Paschal with a huge game five catches 79 yards two touchdowns TY with a huge 71 yard reception as well to set the Colts up for the game winning touchdown. So there was some good in there, of course. And I thought the players, I thought they played very well. It was really more of coaching that kind of held us back today. And people are going to say you're beating a dead horse, but when you watch the game, that's what we saw.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and the frustrating thing for me is like you mentioned between the, the running backs, 21 carries and we threw the ball 30 times or at least dropped back 30 times. To me, it should have been flipped. We should have thrown that much. We should have ran more. They couldn't stop the run at all. And I'm not saying Rivers played bad. He played fine. He was fine. There was no issues with him. I'm just saying they couldn't stop the run. We never forced them to bring that extra guy up to stop the run like we did with the Raiders. When we we played the Raiders, we kept running until we forced them to bring that guy up. When they brought the guy up, Phillip threw the ball. If you do that in this game, it's a simpler game. Because they can't – I mean, they they really couldn't stop anything, but they did a little bit better against the pass. They limited us. We didn't have a lot of big plays in the passing game, maybe one or two. But if you keep running the ball with Taylor and Hines and you're popping off, you know, let's see, 5.2 yards, 8.6 yards, whatever that, you know, averages out to a carry, they're going to bring an extra guy up. When they bring the extra guy up, then you throw it. But right just – it's so frustrating, and I hate to keep harping on it, but he just takes naps. It's like he takes a nap during the game, and it, it, there's no sense of urgency, it, and it just drives me crazy. We we don't have – in division games especially, we lack killer instinct. We had, it, we had Jacksonville down. We could have buried them. We didn't do it. We've had Houston twice down. We could have buried them, and we didn't do it. It's driving me crazy because it seems to be – more of a divisional problem, which makes it twice a bigger problem because you're you're playing both the, these teams, these three teams twice, and, you know, it's something that's got to change. Luckily, we only have one more, you know, division game left, and I, I hope we can win it. God, I'm not going to say we will because we all know what happened week one when I said that, so that's not going to happen. I'm not going <laughs> to say that, but we've got to figure out a way to put division teams away. I mean, we put the we put the Titans away, but we can't put the Texans away. We can't put the Jags away. I mean, he's got to be laser focused. I, I, I felt like the focus of our team went down the toilet after we got ahead for fourteen nothing in this game, and I put that right on Reich, the way he called that game, and and he should have just kept pounding the running game. Our offensive line could maul that D line. We could have mauled them. The game could have been over. Instead, we try to get cute. We try all this cute garbage. We try to w- run wide. We try the Jacoby thing. It just, uh, Luke, it just drives me crazy. I mean,
1: the Jacoby Jacobi- play drove me wild. I mean, I love the packages for Jacoby. The third and one, fourth and one were extremely efficient. I love that. It gives you another look, it gives you another weapon, it gives you another dimension. Love it. I was calling for it in the first couple weeks of the season, and honestly, the offense has been a lot better since we implemented that, because we've been so much better on third and one, fourth and one, so I love that. But then after, he hands it off, and we get it, and then later in the game, he gets another one on a keeper, a fourth and one on a keeper. After he gets it, you take him off the field and you go to your $25 million quarterback who's thrown 18 touchdown passes to four picks since the Bengals game. That's your quarterback. That's your starting quarterback. I don't understand throwing, and it was a good play. You schemed TY wide open, but it wasn't guess complete. What? And guess what? Guess it reminds what? me of 2019 where guys were open, guess wide what? open, all over the field, and the offense was off uh-huh. Why? I mean- Why? Why? With Jacoby under contract this year, why do we go out and sign Phillip Rivers? Why are we 10-4 and right now? Well, a big reason why is because we actually have a competent quarterback. And we almost let our backup, and we did let our backup, stall a huge drive in the middle of the game. We're moving the ball. We're going right down the field. Third and one, you bring in Jacoby, handoff, first down, great. Get him out of the game. Because now you bring Phillip Rivers back in, it's second and long. Second and 10, you throw the screen, doesn't work. Third and 10, you stole that drive.
0: Yep. And and the thing is, I mean, if you need any, if you have any question about why this guy is not a a capable starter in this league, that play is perfect. Because he rolls out and T.Y. sits down because it's a zone. You don't keep running in a zone because then you run into the zone and you'll get blown up. So he sits down. And Jacoby throws it 3,000 miles an hour, five yards up the field, over his head, and then he bitches at T.Y. like, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? It was zone coverage. Like, I just – he shouldn't – look, I, I like Jacoby. He's a great He's a great teammate. He's a good person in the community and all that, and, and that's probably more valuable than football stuff. But we're talking about football on this show. The only time I want him on the field is when it's third and fourth – third or fourth and short and it's runs he cannot throw he's proven this he cannot throw he's inaccurate it's a wasted play so don't do it and Wright does it ruins a drive instead of getting a touchdown which we were moving the ball right down the field we end up with a field goal so I mean it just boggles my mind why Wright continues to try to prove He's the smartest guy in the room when he doesn't have to do it. He just needs to stick with what's working. That's what's so frustrating. They they haven't stopped us in two games running the ball, but he just has this raging hard on to do things that don't work. And I don't understand it. And I'm so frustrated because I feel like the this, the 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 ceiling of this team is higher than a lot of people think. But he coaches it like we've reached it. I don't I don't understand it. I just don't get it. But I'm ranting back to the game. I thought Pascal was outstanding. Rivers was good. Taylor was outstanding again. Hines was outstanding again. T.Y. made a huge play down the stretch. Was it second or third and long?
1: Yeah, second and 20.
0: Second and 20. I mean, great play, great throw. Rivers had two really impressive throws to me in this game. One was the first throw to Pascal on that in route, the double move. He didn't have a lot of space, and he just – I mean – when that when rip when Philip needs to put velocity on the ball he can do it he can reach back and get it and I see you saw it on that that first touchdown to Pascal and then that that deep ball to, to T.Y. was a great throw dropped it in the bucket great great throw, throw by Rivers and uh look I'm really frustrated as you guys can tell but at the end of the day the bottom line as we always say is winning the game and the offense did enough to win the game and that's all that really matters so Despite my frustrations with Reich and all the other things, we won this game. And that's the bottom line, as, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say. So, uh, you know, as I know you guys are probably thinking, why is he so angry? We won. It's just I want to see this team reach its potential, and it can't reach that potential if Reich does not coach focused for four quarters. And I felt like he took two quarters off today. And you can't do that. If he does that next week in Pittsburgh, we will not win. So we we, he's got to be more focused. I thought the Vegas game he was outstanding, and I thought maybe he figured it out. But he come back and he calls the game like he did today, and it's just it makes you just shake your head.
1: Yeah, and it's a couple of things. It's one like I was saying before, we hold this team to a high standard, and we also hold right to a high standard because he could clearly coach. Like this isn't Pagano where it was fire. This guy, he's a bum. He's incapable. He's like the difference is Pagano was not able to coach he just did not have the ability he didn't understand the game and we knew that so you can't ask somebody to do something they're not capable of doing which is why we were always calling for him to be fired Reich he does a lot of really good things it's just him outsmarting himself him getting away from what works and it doesn't make any sense but we know it's in there we know he's capable of it that's the big difference and last week we gave him credit We give him credit where credit's due. But I said, and I said it last week when we were giving him credit. This isn't about week 15, 16, 17. This isn't about the beginning of the season. This isn't about any other week but week 14 against the Raiders. It was only about that game. And I gave him all the credit in the world because he went in there. He coached a great game from beginning to end. He coached a great 60-minute football game. And then today, you get an opponent you saw two weeks ago that just got blown out by Chicago. And you revert back to the coach you were before the Raider game. But it's weird because even in Reich's worst games, he still dials up some great stuff. The first 15 scripted plays are pretty much great every week. I think we're second in the league in touchdowns on our first drive. We've scored six or seven touchdowns our first drive in, what, 14 games. So every other game, we've scored our first possession. We've scored a touchdown on our first possession. And I would say we've scored a touchdown one of our first two possessions in more than that because we always score in the first quarter. And Reich's been great to start games. And then he gets away from it. So it's like he gets away from what works, but he's able to do it. And that's really what's so frustrating, that we know he's a good coach. We know it's in there. You just look at Philadelphia. Look at Carson Wentz. It's obvious that Reich could coach. It's obvious that Reich has been missed in Philadelphia. So it's not that Reich can't coach, it's that Reich chooses to be the smartest man in the room and it makes him a worse coach, not a better coach. Because it's obviously in there. He obviously has the ability. He designed some really beautiful plays and this team is sitting at 10-4 and 4, and he's done a lot of really good things too. But I don't know why he does certain things he does. It just doesn't make sense to me and that's what's so frustrating about it because it's in there unlike Pagano where he didn't have the capability right clearly has the capability. And we saw it last week on full display.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and your point about the, the, the first 15 scripted plays is well taken. I mean, he's absolutely, he's certainly one of the most prepared head coaches as an offensive guy in the league. And he might be the best as far as just, you know, prepping for the first drive or the first couple drives and just, Putting together rhythmic drives, pass, run, mixing it up, he's really good at that. And and that, and that's where I think you guys will understand where our frustration comes because he's so good at that. But then once he gets ahead or gets ten, it's ten nothing or fourteen to nothing. It's like he's like, okay, I've proven you know we're ahead now. I'm going to try something different where. What you should do is just stick with what's working until they stop it. Yeah. That's what I loved about Tony Dungy's, uh, uh, and obviously Peyton Manning, who's I think the greatest quarterback of all time. But even then, if Edge was even then if Edge was running well, we would just keep running it until they stopped it. And if yeah. they didn't stop it, we would run it forty times. It's and, the old
1: phrase: the, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it."
0: Every week, 100%.
1: Reich tries to fix something that's not broken. Every single week. But then, I mean, we could, to give him some credit, you want to go back to the Bengal game, it was broken, and he did a great job in-game fixing it. We're down 21-0, we come all the way back, it was a great comeback, and Wright did a great job. And then last week, it wasn't broken, and he never tried to fix it, and he kept it unbroken the entire game. Then in this game, just like two weeks ago against Houston, where you score 24 points in the first half, you score 14 points your first two possessions, and then all of a sudden he tries to fix it. But it's not broken. So what are you doing?
0: It's a great point. I can't say any better than that. That's literally exactly what he's doing. And i, I he's oh, got to figure it out. And I mean, also
1: to give right credit, that challenge, I didn't like it. When he threw the flag, I did not like challenging that play. Because I, even though I thought it was a clear and pretty easy review where you were going to win it so you weren't going to lose the timeout, but I was thinking third and short, it's going to be an easy get. They're in four-down territory. You're going to run it twice. You're going to get it. And then the real thing I was thinking, because it doesn't matter. You lose a challenge. It is what it is. You still have all your timeouts because you're not going to lose the timeout because you're going to win the challenge because I thought it was a pretty easy review. But I'm thinking you have the ball on the six-yard line. i rather it be first down because if you run it now on third and inches and you pick up three yards, then instead of second and goal from the three, you're going to have first and goal from the three. So that's the way I was thinking of it. But he challenges it. He wins the challenge, as I thought he would. And then they get a false start. That pushes them back. We end up getting off the field, hold them to a field goal, which was huge. And then you look down the stretch of the game, it really kind of changes the outlook of the rest of the game. So to give Reich some credit and – We never say he's a bad head coach, he's just an inconsistent head coach that's constantly trying to fix things that aren't broken. That's really what he boils down to because there's a lot of really good stuff in there too and I thought that challenge was great and I thought he missed an opportunity on that same drive to challenge a play that would have brought up a second and ten instead of a second and three and then he makes up for it with that challenge leading to the full start, leading to the Kenny Moore tackle for loss, leading to the field goal attempt, saving most likely four points on that
0: drive. That's a great point, and we try to be fair on this show, and he was – I mean, that was a great decision by him. I felt like you – I felt like, you know, they're just going to get it. But that's what you love about the game of football. You know, crazy things happen. We've seen it mm-hmm. – I mean, especially in this series, in this series this year. I mean, crazy oh, yeah. things have have, have happened in, the, in these two games, and so it was a great job by him. It obviously, you know, helped our team. Help We held him to three, you know, and, and if he doesn't do that, it's probably a different – you know, a whole different outcome. You you just don't know. But you know, like like Luke said, I'm not saying he's not a good head coach. I think he's a great. You know, he's 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 great at times. And he's certainly the best head coach we've had here, in my opinion, since Dungey. But he's got to get more consistent. He's got to be better with his adjustments. And, and hopefully, we'll see that. I mean, he's he. Do, I think he does a better job outside the division. I think it's mainly a divisional thing with him. That I've noticed, but yeah, Luke, Luke, you made a great point. I mean, it wasn't all bad. He definitely dialed up some great plays. His opening two possessions were great. The end of game possession was good. Throwing the the challenge flag was was a great play by him. Great job by him, or a great call by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then things went the way they did, and so it's not all bad. I'm of just very. Of course, I mean, we're ten
1: and four. When you're ten and four, right. it can't all be bad. Right. And also, I yeah, love just- taking that shot on second and twenty. And not just trying to make it an easier third down or play for a field right. goal, that was huge, I thought that was great too,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean you just you gotta go get it, and he uh, the great great play call and uh great job by t y yeah i mean th- yeah, he definitely did some good things in this game. It wasn't all bad, you don't score twenty seven points to be bad the entire time, but you know i'm I'm just frustrated because I thought we should have really just buried them when we had the chance and we didn't do it. And yep. and some of that is, is due to, you know, Houston, they've got a great player and Deshaun Watson and give him credit. He will that not quit. True. That's the one thing I, one thing I told Luke off air about the Texans, which, which, uh, which I think will, will do us well. It doesn't necessarily guarantee anything, but Deshaun Watson's not going to quit. I don't care what the record is. So when Tennessee goes to Houston in that last game of the year, uh, the last week of the year, the one thing I know now for sure is the Texans aren't going to lay down. They might lose yeah. to the Titans, but they're certainly not going to lay down. Deshaun Watson won't allow it. So no, that's won't. the one thing I took from, but <laughs> from this game about the Texans.
1: Deshaun Watson will absolutely not lay down, but Derrick Henry might run for 250 yards.
0: Yeah, that that's – yeah. He he, will, Their coach will clearly run him 40 <laughs> times, so he might run for 400 yards.
1: Yep, yep. But let's flip over now to the defensive side. Deshaun Watson did his thing. You knew he was going to do his thing. That's why I'm still more frustrated with the offense. But I was frustrated with the defense. The eye test defensively was awful. And, of course, you had great performances like DeForest Buckner. He's on a limited snap count. He has three sacks playing defensive tackle. He had three sacks in this game, which is absurd. You have Darius Leonard at the end of the game getting the huge force fumble inside the five-yard line on QT, which – led to the fumble recovery in the end zone from Okariki, and also just the constant hustle. You had Kenny Moore hustling, preventing a Texans recovery. The ball, you know, scoots out and then you have Okariki jumping on top of it. We had a couple big tackles on that last drive, but the meat and potatoes of this game, blowing the 14-point lead, letting them tie it at 20 letting Deshaun Watson escape multiple sacks and pressure and get out and keep his eyes downfield just like two weeks ago and make big plays. The busted coverage, which led to the first touchdown that kind of got him back into the game. It's 14-0. They don't have any juice. Now you let them hit a big play. They have a little bit of juice. They build off that juice. A 4-9 and nine team, they might tuck it. We know that Watson and Watt will never tuck their tail between their legs, but the rest of the guys, the other 51 guys, they might. There's a good chance they do at 14-0 or 17-0 or 21-0, but we let them get right back into the game there with that busted coverage. I thought the secondary was super soft in this game. I thought we missed a ton of tackles in this game, and it just was not a good performance on either side of the ball. I thought we were coached poorly in this game on both sides of the ball and we let them right back into the game. We didn't give up a ton of points. You only gave up 20 points, but we let, and in the middle of the game, I think Deshaun completed like 10 consecutive passes. We let them complete way too many passes. We gave them way too much, and I understand the whole bend-don't-break philosophy, but in this game, I just I felt like we had an opportunity to impose our will on both sides of the ball, and we didn't do it on either side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and listen, from on down, I, this was not a great performance. Uh, the Colts forced those two tur- turnovers. That was the difference in the game. But, but outside of that, I mean, 33 of 41, 373 yards and two touchdowns for Deshaun Watson when he's missing basically three, his three playmaking wide receivers. We allowed David Johnson 11 catches, 106 yards, never adjusted to that guy out of the backfield. I thought it was just a poor – I thought it was just poor all around. I mean, you don't adjust to the running back who's clearly the guy he's getting the ball to when you're we getting pressure on him, and then as far as the players go, and and back and just with the fluce thing, yeah, I, I thought the coverage was soft. I, I don't know what he was trying to get accomplished today. I really don't know, but he's not going to be perfect every game. He's 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 had it's been very rare that he's he hasn't been good this year. This is the rare game where I think he could have been a little better. And then as far as the players go, I, I thought too many missed tackles, miscommunication. Gave up a big play um, for a touchdown on a complete breakdown by our secondary. Just not good, man. Just not good at all. The missed tackles, the personal foul we got. I mean, just you cannot do those things. These are things we just cannot do. The Colts were really lucky to only give up 20 points in this game. But, listen, when the game was on the line, they found a way to make a play. And that's been the difference in the two games. They've they've made – we've got four turnovers and a safety – Against them in two games, and they've gotten no turnovers. That's the difference in the two games, period. So I give the credit to the Colts defense for forcing those two turnovers in this game. I thought that DeForest Buckner was outstanding, basically playing on one leg. He dominated when he was in there, three sacks, just a difference maker as far as what he brings to the table. When he's not in there, it is very obvious. To me, he's a, the MVP of this defense. He's a special player. Even when he's playing hurt, he's the best guy on our defense. I mean, three sacks and just an outstanding job by him. But overall, man, the defense just wasn't very good. They didn't tackle well. It was just one of those games where they just did not play that well. And that's just, you know, my opinion. I thought they could have played a lot better. They usually tackle. They're usually one of the better tackling teams in the league. And and down the stretch, they did a much better job. But for the first three-and-a-half quarters, they were terrible. Just the tackling was bad, and and there's no excuse for it. I thought they lost focus. I thought the the defense lost focus. I thought the offense lost focus after they got the big lead, and uh, you can't do that. You can't do it, and you certainly can't do it against Deshaun Watson. And, uh, yeah, he, he tore us up today, 373 yards, no picks, two touchdowns, and Johnson out of the backfield, 11 catches, and we just never adjusted to him. Yeah, you know, just it's very frustrating and, and uh they gotta be better. I mean, I'm sure Fluce would tell you that. They gotta be better. They gotta play a lot better next week. So definitely gonna be a big test for us next week. But this game, Deshaun Watson tore us apart, and that was even with us getting pressure on him. I think we had five sacks again. Uh he still I mean, just 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 ripped us apart, shredded us, and uh Colts just gotta play better, man. The defense, offense, everybody just gotta be better.
1: Yep, I couldn't agree more. And they put up the stat for missed tackles. I think we're second in the league in the least amount of missed tackles. This was our worst or one of our worst tackling performances of the year. The other one was probably the first time we saw the Texans. We haven't tackled great against the Texans. And Deshaun Watson's slippery. He's tough to get down. And then, to his credit, not only is he slippery, but he does an insane job of keeping his eyes downfield. And I think that's what really separates him from other guys. I know that Jackson won an MVP last year, but one of the reasons why I am doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the longevity, and if I had to start a team, I'm starting a team 100 out of 100 times with Deshaun Watson over a player like Lamar Jackson, is because Lamar Jackson's eyes will retreat when he escapes the pocket and he escapes a sack. He's super slippery, he's better in the open field, he's better between the tackles than Deshaun Watson. But Watson's ability to keep his eyes downfield and make plays is really, I mean, it's an elite trait he has. And it's up there with Rodgers and with Mahomes and with the real top of the top guys in this league. And he tore us up with that. So I was not happy at all with the defense outside of DeForest Buckner, who didn't play a lot today. But when he played, he was fantastic. Three sacks, forced fumble, recovered by the Colts. He was incredible today I thought all true was good I thought we had good pressure and we had great pressure in the beginning of the game and we kind of got away from that and then Leonard of course with the play at the end we also had two big tackles so as bad as the tackling was we had two huge tackles on that final drive we had one by Kenny Moore keeping a guy in bounds and then we had the other one by Okariki, not only keeping David Johnson in bounds but also preventing what could have been a touchdown because there was a lot of green grass in front of Johnson on that play. Okriki able to keep him in and just get him to the turf, which was huge. And then Darius Leonard with the strip with the forced fumble there inside the five-yard line. So now we have a 26-20 win with a fumble inside the five-yard line and a 27-20 win with a fumble inside the five-yard line against the Texans in a three-week span. That's just insane. And thank the Lord the field is not 95 yards long otherwise we wouldn't be going to the playoffs and this season would pretty much be over
0: yeah that's true man and and as hard as i've been on the defense uh, i do want to say this when the chips are down and and they have to make a play for the most part this year they've made it and that's all you can really ask for i mean you can ask for a lot of things but when the game's on the line this team finds a way on defense they find a way true. whether it's you know an interception or a a, a forced fumble, great job by Darius, you know, chasing that play down and hitting them and knocking the ball out and the guys hustling to the ball and recovering it. I mean, it's just, you know, that that's that's an important trait to have, finishing. Like, we sometimes we struggle with putting our foot on teams next when we get a lead early in the game. But one thing this team does is it always finishes well. It finds a way, especially defensively, to win games, to lock it down. And they've done that this entire year and they did it again today. They did it in the first game. They found a way to win. And at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, it's this this you know, post game's not going to matter. The game itself's not going to really matter. What's going to matter is the W in the win column. And that is the bottom line. So as frustrated as I've been throughout this podcast, and as harsh as I've been on Reich and, and fluce and the defense and the play calling and all that the bottom line is an ugly win is always much better than a pretty loss. And I will take this win. You can throw it in the column with the W, and we will move on to Pittsburgh. But I just wanted to say to the defensive guys, way to hold it down, way to come back, great job finishing strong. He didn't play great the entire game. He didn't even really play that good, to be honest. But when you had to make a play, you made the plays, and that's what good teams do. That's what great teams do. And so, you know, as, as hard as I've been on these guys, the bottom line's the win. They got it done. Two more to go. We got to find a way to get those two. And who knows, maybe we get a home playoff game. We'll see what happens. But great job finishing the job today by the Colts defense.
1: No question. That's a great point because you look at this season in close games we've had where the defense is on the field late 31 27 against the Bengals and we had the Julian Blackman pick and then the last two times against the Texans 26 20 fumbled snap recovered by the Colts and then 27 20 today fumble inside the two yard line by Darius Leonard recovered by the Colts in the end zone for the touchback. Okereke on top of it so yeah that's a great point we forced multiple turnovers in one score games late in the game under a minute or two to go this season Green so. Bay too and the Green Bay game Julian Blackman in overtime getting a yep. strip leading to the game-winning field goal yeah no question so that's four games 4 one possession games in the fourth quarter or overtime where the Colts come up with a big turnover so yeah that's a great point point. and you could call it bend, don't break, but every team is in situations like that. Every team, the difference between going a and eight, 10 and 6, 12 and 4 is going to be the difference between four or five one possession games late in a game throughout the course of a season. Every team. It's not Ben Don't Break. Oh, this team, they play zone. They're Ben Don't Break. No, no, no. That's every team. Every team's going to be in a one possession game multiple times throughout the course of the season. And which teams get turnovers and which teams get stops and which teams don't. And the Colts' defense this season, not only have we done it four times, I think we're four for four.
0: I don't think there's been another yeah. game. Yeah, right. And listen, Luke, the great thing about this team is you look at last year, we lost all the close games for yep. two main reasons, right? Quarterback and kicking. We're going to get we've talked about Rivers, he was outstanding again today, two touchdowns, 228 yards. Good job by him. One thing we haven't talked a lot about this year has been the kicking of Rodrigo Blankenship and the difference that it's made in our team. Yep. because if, if military basically cost us I don't know how many games last yeah. year and bad quarterback play combined with that it's not a recipe for winning so our defense was on the field a lot last year and they got exposed some this year it's been different because we have a quarterback and a kicker when he's when he's out there who makes his kicks and that is the difference like you said between going 8 and 8 or 7 and 9 and 11 and 5 or 12 and 4 that's how this league is and and you got to have good kickers And you got to have a good quarterback to be able to win those games. And that's the difference between 2020 and 2019. It's really that simple. And the Forrest Buck.
1: No question. And how big was that blanket chip kick today? Because it just changes the morale. When you're even at the end of the game, yeah, they could get in, they could tie it, they could go for two and they could win the game there at the end. But being up seven is just so much different. The confidence is so much different than being up four. So to hit from 53. And to be getting better as the season goes on, he missed a couple early in the year. He missed a one or two extra points, I think earlier in the year. And I remember at one point the Colts brought in kickers or signed a kicker to the practice squad and people started overreacting. And it's like, no, no, no. This guy was phenomenal at the university of Georgia. And it wasn't just the fact that he was 200 for 200 on extra points. Now this guy was kicking from 40 plus 50 plus at Georgia. And he's gotten better as the year has gone on. We haven't asked him to kick deep, Much this season. I think we only had one attempt over 50 yards or right there at 50 on the button. He missed it. He made today from 53, split the uprights, and it looked like it would have been good from 60. So this guy's only going to get better and better and better. And another great addition. And special teams today, really solid. And not just the kicking game, but what about the punting game? And I think they showed Rigoberto Sanchez's family in the crowd because there was a girl with a number eight on. And I teared up a little bit because to you know we watch these guys where we have a couple personal connections with the guys we've had on the show but these guys are you know they're human beings They have real lives and to be going through something like that especially in your 20s with cancer and to be able to beat it and not only beat it but come back 2 weeks later so we could getting negative about Frank Reich and Eberflus and the defense was soft today and the offense you know we could go on and on and on but you know this is football and then life is life and having cancer and going through some some real-life shit that unfortunately is just part of this world. And then not only to beat it, but to really just beat the living shit out of it and to come back, only miss two games, only miss a total of five punts, and be back on the field today punting, punting at a high level, kicking off at a high level, and doing everything he does. And that's another great morale booster for this team as you make this push for the playoffs. You know, it transcends football. You got guys battling things much greater than Deshaun Watson in the Houston Texans as Rigoberto Sanchez defeats cancer, gets back out onto the field, and was punting today for the Colts. It was just an incredible story, and I could not be happier for him and for his family, who I think was in the crowd today. I wasn't sure if it was them, but either way, it made me tear up because the way they were cheering for him, it just made me think it was his family.
0: Yeah, I saw that too, man. and It's, it's, it's just amazing how quickly he came back. And not only that, the fact that he found out he had cancer and then he kicked in the Tennessee game. I mean, that shows you how much he loves his brothers on this team. He wanted to be there for him as much as he could. He comes back today, does an outstanding job, penned him inside the twenty a couple times. I couldn't be happier, man. That's the one thing about the one thing about this game is when you see stories like this that are bigger than football, you know, I've been frustrated about the game, but then you bring something like that up and it makes me smile because that's what's really important this kid's staying healthy they uh, hopefully i think they did catch it before you know it spread which is always the most important thing and then to see him out there with his teammates kicking that's so much bigger than football it's a part of the story football but the story is what rigoberto sanchez has gone through in the heart that he's shown fighting through this and, and really coming through for the team He's a great teammate. I mean, the locker room, with this team is so easy to root for. There's so many good character players, from your punter to your linebackers. To, I mean, there's just so many guys you root for. And it's not like when, when Grigson was here, when we knew like 60% of the team was scumbags. <laughs> uh, you really feel like, you know, Ballard really cares about character players, and it really matters because these guys, all of them show real character when the game is on the line. And that's what is important. Like your true character is what is going to carry you through life because you're going to face adversity. And, uh, you know, Rigoberto's faced adversity, and he he fought through it, and it was so great to see him back out there. And uh, listen, the Colts went through some adversity today, and they fought through it. They found a way to win just like Rigoberto did. So great win, ugly win, but a win nonetheless. And so happy to see number eight back out there kicking again for the Colts He was definitely missed.
1: No doubt we're so happy for Rigoberto Sanchez, his family, his teammates, everybody, and it just adds to the great Colts win. So we're going to get into our For the Culture Player of the Game. I think an honorary For the Culture Player of the Game is Sanchez for everything he did and everything he went through off the field the last two weeks and being an unsung hero in the loss to Tennessee, unfortunately We lost that game, but he said, you know what, I'm not going to let my brothers go out there without a punter. And he punted six times in that game, even knowing that he had been diagnosed with cancer, knowing the battle he had in front of him. So our honorary for the culture player of the game, the game ball, will go to Sanchez. But as far as our for the culture player of the game, Jason, I'll let
0: you go first. Well, for me, it came down to two guys. Zach Paschal, because he had two touchdowns, and I thought he was outstanding. I thought he did, did, did a good job blocking. And, and then, of course, DeForest Buckner playing on basically one leg. He's got a bad ankle sprain, and uh, he's he was outstanding. I mean, uh, when he was in the game, it was a huge difference. So I guess I'm going to go with DeForest. Uh, playing with an injury, and these guys all – like the Colts, they just are a bunch of you know, lunch pail guys. They don't ever talk about injuries. They don't ever complain. You don't hear that kind of crap with our team. And uh, I think it's because of leaders like DeForest Buckner and Phillip Rivers. DeForest goes out there. He's not 100%. I think they used him a lot on on third downs and, uh, you know, pass rush plays where it's, you know, second and long or whatever. And the guy gets three sacks. He's press- he pressured him a ton. Uh, just an out – I mean, he's just been outstanding from beginning to end, man, From for, for this team on and off the field. But today, he was, to me, a big difference in what we got done. Just an outstanding player. And the difference is so stark when he's not on the field because he's just such a difference maker. You have to account for him with generally two blockers. And even then, he still gets to the quarterback. And to do that basically on one leg speaks to the character. Again, we talk about character all the time. Speaks speaks to the character of the player. And it speaks to the accountability of DeForest Buckner to his teammates. He wanted to be out there. He wanted to, you know, find a way to get out there and help this team win. And he absolutely did that today. I'm not sure we win without him. I really, I'm really, I, I don't think so, honestly, because he got to him three times or other plays where he's pressure in the pocket and all got the sack. So for me, I thought the forest buck there was, was a big difference maker on defense in this game and a big reason we won it. So I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with Buck as my player of the game.
1: Yeah, Buck's a great pick. We do not win this game today without DeForest Buckner. Those three sacks were huge. The force fumble, which led to our second touchdown, was huge. Buckner, a great selection, and he's playing through that injury. He's playing on that sprained ankle, which is a testament to him. He's only missed one game since his rookie season, and that was with COVID a couple weeks ago, where I'm sure he wanted to play, and he would have played if they let him, but of course with the covid restrictions and everything you're not allowed to play with the protocol so he had to unfortunately miss that game but you know he would have been out there he would have played in a mask if he was allowed to but of course He wasn't allowed to, and I'm going to go with another guy who this week it comes out that he's been playing through a sprained MCL, a sprained foot, and a tweaked ankle this season, and that's Zach Pascal, the character of the guys on this team and guys who just love to play football. If you don't love to be out there, you're getting paid either way. You're going to sit out. You're going to take your money. You're going to collect and it's going to be like playing Monopoly. You collect 200 as you pass go, and that's just what you're doing. You're just kind of going around the board. You're going through the motions. Oh, I already signed my big contract. They traded me in March. They traded for me from San Francisco. I'm going to just collect my money, and I'm going to sit out this week. And Zach Pascoe, a little bit different of a story. He's going into Luke. a contract.
0: Yep. You know what I call that? I call those the Ryan Grigson years. Oh, my God.
1: You think <laughs> Art Jones – is a is a good Monopoly player, Art Jones. Art <laughs> Jones just keeps going, collect two hundred, collect two hundred, collect
0: two hundred. Dude, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just, I just, I thought of all the guys that came <laughs> here and just collected a check during the Griggs era. Oh, there I mean, was just, a lot of them. such, such night and day between that that era and this era, and the players we have now. Good lord, thank God for that. Yep, and
1: Art Jones was definitely, definitely the captain of that club. But you look at Zach Pascoe, a little bit different of a situation than Buckner. He's in a contract year right now, so of course he's playing to get paid this offseason. I think the Colts will re-sign him. But you look at the character of guys and guys who just love to play football. And then Phillip Rivers, your captain, one of your leaders, your quarterback, 39 years old, playing on turf toe for the last how many weeks? He's He's actually been playing his best football of the season since getting the turf toe I know his good football started a little bit earlier against the Bengals but since that turf toe injury against the Packers he's been lights out I think he's only thrown one pick to a bunch of touchdowns since that Packer game he's been so good and then you have Zach Pascal playing through all these injuries two touchdowns today so Zach Pascal is my for the culture player of the game a couple other big receptions as well but the two big touchdowns including the game winning touchdown to make it 27 20 and I put up a a meme this week on Twitter of Philip Rivers and Zach Pascal walking into the Salty Splatoon which is the bar in SpongeBob how tough are you you have to be a certain level of tough to get into the Salty Splatoon and Philip Rivers is tough enough Zach Pascal's tough enough DeForest Buckner's tough enough and it doesn't stop there I know Quinn Nelson hasn't missed a game since coming to the Colts Naheem Hines a little guy hasn't missed a game since coming to the Colts you're telling me these guys haven't played through injuries? Of course they have. There's so many tough guys on this team that just love playing football. And that doesn't mean that when. T.Y. misses games, he doesn't love playing football. T.Y.'s played through plenty of injuries. But then, of course, there's injuries you can play through. And same thing with all the guys and Marlon Mack right now with the Achilles and he's had a bunch of injuries. It doesn't mean he doesn't love playing football. It just means he's unfortunately dealt with things that he physically couldn't play through. You can't play on a torn Achilles. It's just not possible. But the character of guys on this team, how much they love to play football and the injuries they've played through to make sure they're out there every single Sunday, and it speaks volume, and it speaks volume to the record because you're not 10 and 4 if DeForest Buckner can't play through that sprained ankle, you're not 10 and 4 if Philip Rivers can't play through the turf toe, you're not 10 and 4 if these guys can't play through what they're playing through. And then again, it goes back to Rigoberto Sanchez playing after being diagnosed with cancer against the Titans. We don't win that game, but still, it just goes into that same overall point of guys playing through injuries and the toughness and the character of players on this team. So our for the culture players of the game, you have Sanchez, you have Buckner and you have Pascal in week 15
0: against the Texans. Yeah, man, I mean it, they they all we don't win the game with without certainly without Pascal and and Buckner. So those are two great picks. Listen, the bot. Like I said, we've we've said this a million times. We beat it to death. But the bottom line is, we won the game. As, as frustrated as I am, and I'm definitely frustrated with the performance on both sides of the ball. To be able to win the game despite all of the things that went wrong, uh, and come up with a big play at the end by the defense is the most important thing and the only thing that matters. So, uh, hopefully, the coaches will look at the film with it with a close eye. And, and find you know some different things that they can improve on. There's a lot I think on this tape that they can improve on. And look, we're going to Pittsburgh next week. No one expects us to win. I don't think we're going to win, uh, just because of the history. But uh, if the Colts, it, it, they they'd have the team that can go in there and win a game. They they are certainly talented enough to go into Pittsburgh and win. And winning this game today made that game all the more important because if we lose today, I think we're done. So. Going in there next week, I'm excited. I think this is the team that has the right formula to do it. I just – it's just a ghosts, man. Everything that, that can go wrong has gone wrong for the Colts when they played at Pittsburgh. We've said this repeatedly, one win since, what, 1968 or something like that, or definitely only one win since yep. they've been in Indianapolis. So, uh, you know, I'm not trying to move on to that game too soon, but just looking a bit ahead – I'm excited for that game. I think it's going to be a fun game and uh, interested to see how we attack that defense because it's a very good defense and uh, it is not going to be like playing Houston or the Raiders. I can tell you that right now.
1: (laughs) They have a sack in 70 consecutive games. That's over three and a half years or maybe four and a half years for the Steelers. 70 consecutive games. Of course, that's an NFL record. Not by much. I think the record previous was 66-67, so they've recently broke the record and they've extended the record. So we will see that. And our offensive line has the capability of shutting a defensive line down and Rivers gets the ball off so quick. It is definitely a possibility that we are the team to break that record. Every record is set to be broken. We could be the ones are technically we wouldn't be breaking the record. We'd be ending the record. But still, nonetheless, every record eventually does get broke. Every record eventually does come to an end. So we could be the team to end their record. We'll have our opportunity next week. And we have an offensive line that has four Pro Bowl caliber guys on it. So if there was ever an offensive line to do it and ever a quarterback to do it, a lot of people think, oh, the quarterback to do it's going to be the fast, quick quarterback, the Kyler Murray, the Deshaun Watson. lamar jackson no it's going to be the philip rivers who gets the ball off insanely quick in my opinion at least in my opinion so that should be a fun matchup to watch next week and also jason i just want to read you this tweet that i saw while you were talking i was going through twitter and you know john mcclain beat writer longtime beat writer for the texans yeah he tweeted this is such an indie star tweet oh my god i could just imagine this being tweeted about pagano he tweeted Remember when Texan fans would complain that Bill O'Brien could just win the division or maybe a wild card game and nothing more? That was last season. Winning the AFC South again would look pretty good compared to this pathetic performance. Wow. Do you know how stupid you need to be or how hungry for attention you need to be to tweet that out?
0: Yeah, I mean, were they not barely... zero and four
1: when Bill O'Brien got fired? Did he not it's... trade away DeAndre Hopkins?
0: Is this current roster not his doing? It's ri- it's ridiculous, <laughs> and and you know to say, you know, what did he say that they were dis- disappoint disappointing? He basically or they...
1: saying we made the playoffs last year, and you guys wanted him fired. Now we're four and ten, and. Is this better than that? As if this isn't his fault. As if as if this is all Romeo Cornell's fault, and Bill O'Brien didn't trade away Hopkins. As if Bill O'Brien wasn't the coach when they were zero four. I mean, it's an incredibly stupid take.
0: It's absolutely just an. <laughs> it's an <laughs> Yo, abo- it's, it's an abortion. star it's caliber. A, it's so
1: I think John it's McClain so... wants to cover the Colts. I think he's like, wow, this Colts team's 10-4. and 4. I want to cover them. Maybe if I say something completely outlandish, I'll get hired
0: at the Indy Star. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I take a lot of issue with what he said. One, it's just completely stupid because they were 0-4 under O'Brien and got rid of so much talent under him. And so he's the one that put them in this position. Second of all, yeah, they're only 4-6 and 6 with Romeo Cornell. But I I will say this about Romeo Cornell's teams. They play very hard. And if you don't come out and play um, your game and execute, you you can lose to this team. It's not – you don't just – I mean, I think the Colts thought this too. Like, you're just going to roll the ball out there and win by 20 points. It doesn't work that way. And, um, you know, I, I thought they played well today. I thought Deshaun was outstanding. Of course, you want to win the game. They they have all these injuries. I I just the whole the whole tweet's dumb. I thought they (laughs) no they have so much
1: less talent. He has so much less talent. He has a great quarterback, but he has so much less talent on his team. And he was a fumble inside the two yard line away from tying the game. And last two weeks ago, he was a fumble, a bad snap inside the five yard line away from possibly beating us by a point. If you watch that game and you think that's on coaching for Houston when they are deprived of talent all over the field minus a first ballot hall of fame defensive end and a really good elite quarterback, you are a lunatic.
0: Yeah, I mean that's Listen, I don't think Houston's great. They're obviously have a bad record or whatever, but I thought I thought Deshaun played about as well as you can play. Today he played outstanding in the first game. I thought David Johnson was good. I, I thought Romeo Cornell coached a good game. I don't. I. I mean, that, the whole thing is just stupid to me. I, <laughs> I thought honestly, I thought the Texans fought their asses off and and deserve a lot of respect for the way they played. Yeah. It's like and, one of those. And,
1: I felt like it came from a fake account, but no, that's John McClain. So, so I think dumb. of the. I think just, of the the Houston Chronicle or the Texas Chronicle. One of those yeah. papers. I think it's Houston.
0: Yeah, he covers the team. It's
1: re- it's ridiculous, man. And yeah, uh, long time beat bad. writer. He's like the he's like the chapel of Houston.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. But this was more of a Kravitz take of Houston. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. He, O'Brien's the one that put him in the hole. Yep. Uh, oh, and also Jason, him. at four and ten, their first round pick, which will
1: likely be a top ten pick, is going to Miami, and that's not Romeo Cornell's fault. No. Nope. That will be Bill O'Brien's fault because that's part of the Tunsil trade. Yep, I mean the most just... sack, I think they have the most sack quarterback right now in the National Football League and they don't have a first round pick this year for the second year in a row because of the left tackle they traded for. When you could have drafted one last year in an insanely deep left tackle draft, you could have kept both your first round picks and then you trade your superstar wide receiver and you don't even get a first round pick in return. No. And we're blaming Romeo Cornell for a loss after inheriting an
0: Owen 4 football team. Dear no. god. And the roster is just depleted. Trash. I mean, just absolutely depleted of and devoid. Of and talent. also, they might...
1: what about what about these three or four PED busts? Is that yeah. Romeo Cornell's
0: fault? I mean, come on. I mean, some of these writers, I just... It's like the whole, like, dockage love fest for Grigson. I just... It, none it's of it weird. makes any sense. It's
1: so weird. And also... You follow this team on a micro level. You write for them. You follow them. You've watched every game, and you wrote articles after every game for the last 40 years, or uh, I guess for the Texans established in 2002. You've written articles every year of their, literally every year of their existence. For the last 18 years, you've covered this team. You've seen every game. This McLean guy has seen every single Texans game. He's been there from the beginning. How you could have a take like that, is out of control. Like, that's just...
0: It's ridiculous. And you're not... I mean... co-
1: like, like, this is the big difference I have between a guy like Colin Cower or Skip Bayless or one of these hot take ESPN guys. They cover every team. They cover 32 teams in the NFL, they cover 30 teams in the NBA, they cover 30 teams in the MLB, the NHL, all the college basketball, all the college football, and they have all these takes. So of course they're not going to know the ins and outs. Of course they're not going to know who the Colts' right tackle is. They're not going to know that because they don't follow the Colts on a micro level. They don't follow the Texans on a micro level. If you've covered every game of the Texans for the last 18 years, you can't have a take like that because you follow them too closely to have that much of an outsider take. That's a take that you would get from a Skip Bayless or a Colin Cower because they don't follow the team close enough. I mean, this is basic. Everybody should know this. But to come from a Houston Texans beat writer is insane to me.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's really ridiculous and honestly I mean, Bill O'Brien ran that whole franchise into the ground. And so while he's complaining about the performance and the record this year, he's seemingly missing the point that the reason they're in the position they're in is actually Bill O'Brien himself. (gasps) So the tweet is just asinine. And then saying, like, you know, whatever he said about their effort or whatever, it just ridiculous. I thought they played hard. I don't know if you heard my gasp.
1: Did you hear my gasp? No. My. <gasps> oh,
0: no. I did that though.
1: I just did that <laughs> like two minutes ago <laughs> while you were talking. I said <gasps> the Jets oh are God. currently beating the Rams 20 to three in the third quarter.
0: What are
1: they doing, bro? What are they doing? We cannot allow the Jets to fumble the Lawrence pick this late in the season. Dude. Will they still have the number one pick if they win, or will it be the No, Jags? the Jags win the weird tiebreaker. It goes based on – I think it goes strength of schedule
0: based on the previous season. Oh, no, no. Jesus. What are the Jets doing, man? No,
1: not what are the Jets doing. What are the Rams doing?
0: Well, I mean, I thought the Jets were tanking on purpose. Well, I thought so, I so thinking... too. I
1: thought so, too. And, hey, it's still a possibility. And by the time we get this up, the Jets may have lost 40 to 20. But – that's what true. are the yeah. Rams doing? I there's don't eight know. minutes to go in the third quarter. Eight minutes to go in the third quarter. So Holy shit. That's we're gonna get crazy, off dude. we're gonna upload this. By the time we upload it, the Jets might have lost the game. But right now, for the time being, and the Rams are fighting for a playoff spot. The Rams are nine and four, which will get you in in the NFC because it's not nearly as competitive as the AFC right now. So right now they are the first wild card. You've got to be shitting me.
0: I, I cannot. I, I'm, I'm in shock, Luke. I'm in shock. They have a I, because game... now we have to worry about Trevor Lawrence being in our division? We already have a great Clemson quarterback. Oh God, We don't man. need
1: two great Clemson quarterbacks. But then again, Jason, I guess it doesn't matter who the Jaguars quarterback is. Because Blake Bortles cut us up every time we played him. And then Minshew, <laughs> the last two times we've seen him, he's cut us up. So maybe we're yeah. better off with the Jaguars having an elite quarterback.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, they can't play any better. I mean, he can't play any better against us than those guys did. I, no. mean, he could, I mean, certainly he'll play better against the other teams because all those guys pretty much stink against everybody else. But they all they all tear us up, that's for sure.
1: Yep, it is true. But we've had enough good Clemson quarterback play in our division. I do not want to see another one.
0: No got The Jets got to find a way to turn it on and really blow this game and like really quickly. They need to really find a way to get it done. The Jaguars will sell out, though. All those Clemson people from
1: South Carolina, where is that, South Carolina? Yep. They're all going to make that trip down to Jacksonville when every year they're going to get a Trevor Lawrence-Deshaun Watson matchup if this ends up happening and the Jaguars get Trevor Lawrence. They're going to... They're going to go down there for every single game. Oh, my God. How Jets would it be? Could you imagine being a Jet fan right now and having to suffer? Because think about it. Right now, if you're a Jet fan, the end of the Raider game, you actually like that. You want to lose that game because you want Trevor Lawrence. If you end up losing now, this late in the season, week 15, the pain and suffering of the Patriots loss that you could have won, of the Bills (laughs) game you could have won, of the – Oh, Raiders, the yeah. the raider game you should have won and you went cover zero if you end up <laughs> I, I I'm just at a loss for words if you end up losing this game or you end up winning this game which is a loss because you lose the Trevor Lawrence pick oh dear god well
0: if anybody was going to do it and blow it it was going to be the jets
1: oh it's just so jets if you're a Jeff fan right now, you can't you can't even enjoy this. Okay, okay, the Rams just scored 20 to 9. So pending an extra point, it's going to be 20-10. All this is going to be completely meaningless. But it is It is fun to talk about. It is fun to talk about. And it'll be much more fun to talk about when Trevor Lawrence is wearing green and white. So go Rams go. Let's hope they come back in this one. This would be a really bad loss. For Sean McVay. I mean, come on, the Sean McVay offense. You got to put up more points than 10 points now, halfway through the third quarter at home against brutal. the New York Jets. So
0: that's brutal, man.
1: It is. Let's hop off, Jason. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Up and down podcast, up and down game for the Colts. Not our best game by any stretch of the imagination. Not Reich's best game. Not Eberfluss's best game. But I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. And 10-4 and is a pretty nice record. We will be back this week with an AFC playoff standing. And look forward to the next two weeks. We'll go over the remaining schedule of the Ravens, of the Dolphins, of, of course, the Colts. And you could throw the Browns in there. If the Browns lose tonight, we'll throw them in. If the Browns win tonight, they pretty much run away with that first wild card spot. And we'll be back probably maybe tomorrow, maybe on Tuesday with that podcast. And then on Friday, Colt Steelers game preview right here on the For the Culture podcast.